Uh, so we want to pick up where we left off, guys. That was awesome. First round there. And uh, Mel hit it on the head. Obviously, it's, uh, a lot of people are feeling that question. And, and we had some great dialogue between the break. Steve, you want to pick up where we left off? Yeah, I, I wanted to try and hit that on a more, maybe more practical level on a day-to-day. Like, what do you actually buy? What do you eat? Because um, finances are always a concern. I mean, it's a question of, am I going to put my money to this or to this? And, and you got to figure that out. So one thing is focus on inexpensive foods that are very nutrient-dense. As long as they agree with you and you can digest them well. So that might be things like uh, seaweeds, right? That might be things like beans or lentils, as long as those agree with you, right? And there's ways to prepare it so that it can be better in that regard. Um, You can also do, you know, some of the most nutritious vegetables are cheaper, like kale, celery, carrots, onions. You know, you get a broad spectrum of things. Good. (laughs) Um, You can also do bone broth. You can make that at home. Your bones are pretty inexpensive, but that makes a great base for sausage, soups, all kinds of things. Um, you can even drink it. And um, what was the other thing? Liver, if you can do it. Liver is one of the most nutrient-dense superfoods on the planet. And you don't even have to you know, eat like, liver. You can get things like Braunschweiger, which is a type of sausage. I think it's about 40% liver, 60% ground beef. Mm. Take some of that, mix it into hamburger patties, mix it into a meatloaf, mix it into something else that sounds a little better, you're going to cover it up, you're not going to taste it, and now you're getting a ton more nutrition that you otherwise wouldn't be. So um, it's good. there's a lot more foods we could probably get into, but you know those are very inexpensive, very easy um, to find, and uh, they go a long way. Shout out, back to Larry's point about farmer's markets, uh, audience member said that uh, the the um, farmer's market at the OC Fairgrounds is m- noticeably cheaper than some of the other ones. So I wanted to give mm-hmm. one more reference since that was a great question. Um, and you also want to follow up on that before we go back to questions? Actually, I have one more thought. Yeah, uh, as far as animal proteins go, um, if you get better quality stuff and you prepare it correctly, you'll need a lot less of it. So that definitely, you know, animal, animal foods are generally where your money is going to be spent. It's the cheeses, it's the meats, it's all that stuff. So if you got like a, a nice grass-fed, grass-finished organic steak, which might cost a little more than, say, a commercial steak, but you barely need any of it, to get a lot more nutrition. You'll feel totally satisfied, you'll feel stronger, you'll feel better. So that's, a, that's another way to spread your dollars out a little bit. Cool. I, I, I would love to insert another question here that, in my opinion, kind of brings the, the worlds together. Um, and, and it's so personal for me, I need help. I'm, I'm, I'm asking candidly, I need help in this area. Um, and it's this issue of um, health of, yeah, Christians for sure, F- physical, physiological health uh, of believers. Um, and also it's leadership, the, the, the so-called leaders of the church, whether they be pastors or any kind of leadership level. I've had several friends. There was a pastor I worked for, and he was um, obese at one point. He, you know, he weighed over 300 pounds as a five-foot-nine guy. His story is very public and common, so it's not, you know, not unfair that I divulge that. And he had a transformation. I mean, through replacing habits and an incredible discipline, had a transformation and became physically healthy again. I even posed the question to him, what if you had a friend who's in the church, so you can think of it two ways, a friend who's in the church, uh, or maybe a, a Christian leader, how do you go to them when you think that they may have a problem? That's really the, if I just, just kind of bring it all the way down and reduce it, how can you have that conversation? His reply was, Ben, honestly, it, it doesn't matter until they have their own personal, individual epiphany about it. And, and I think that's dead on, but it happened again recently, I was thinking about a Christian leader, and just looks like they've kind of let some of their physical health 
kind of slip, but I understand it seems like a, just a minefield to walk into that conversation and not have them walk away and feel condemned or shame or guilt. But my heart is totally like out of love and grace and care to say, hey, we understand ministry and just like work life, uh, you know, non-church ministry, uh, which is still ministry, by the way, that's another episode, um, is hard and busy and life is full and busy. There's more than we've ever had. And so we're maybe not making margin to, you know, eat a little bit better or, or work out in whatever way. Um, that is, how can we, my question, <coughs> back to just reduce it down, how can we do that in grace and truth, bring that feedback to someone, should we even, and, and I'd love to hear from you know, all, all you guys on that. Should we, so there's lots of questions we can pull out. Do, should we have a standard for our leaders at church uh, to hold them to that? How do we have that conversation is at least a second question. Uh, my take on that would be, um, it's a difficult, very difficult. Um, I think from a personal perspective, uh, share with you that I really didn't get super into my health and, and um, health and fitness until I needed to. Hmm. There had to be a need. Yeah. And when I was in sports, of course, there was a need because I want to perform. Uh, I want to be a champion. So, um, but when I got out of the sports, I, I uh, um, backslid shall I say mm, <laughs> when it word. comes to it's health <laughs> mm -hmm. and man I was junk food big time um, until I went to the dentist and um, he performed a procedure not even using standard of care and I um, had mercury poisoning as a result of removing a dental amalgam incorrectly Wow! and didn't know I had it and so I went to an alternative guy for um, help and and I had all these various symptoms. I couldn't figure out um, what was going on. Numbness in my back, my feet were numb, and I, I had just gone skiing, and I thought it pinched a nerve, and I didn't know what was going on. And he says, oh yeah, you have classic uh, symptoms of mercury poisoning. Did you go to the dentist lately? And I was like, oh. And so it was because of that need, it drove me to say, all right, I gotta figure out what am I doing with my diet, my health, my exercise. And it's usually that's what happens when we come up with a health crisis. That's when you start to shift. Hmm. It's like, all right, I got to do something. Yeah. And it's not until then people normally they're not going to change. Yeah, defining moment. Yeah. Defining moment decision. Yeah. The pain point. Yeah. yeah. Critical moment. Yeah. It's a good word. Anything else, guys? The question. Your question was, why aren't we talking about it in the church a lot? <clears throat> and I've thought about this a lot. Like. Um, I think we prioritize certain certain sins, and um, and we 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 don't have sin here. We have we have different levels of sin, and we're going to talk about the big ones. So we can talk about addiction, uh, whether it's sexual or, or chemical, because those those are big ones. And and most of the people in the room, it's not their biggest issue. So we can talk about that. But we're not going to talk about addiction to food, or anger issues. Uh, or other things like that, mm -hmm. and so which is going to affect everyone. So I don't know uh, if it's just, it's too painful to 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 get to that because then you're talking about everyone. Um, but yep. and then yeah, so the sin of gluttony. Yeah, it's the white collar sin is what we call it, mm. and it is something that um, is the Bible talks about it, but we don't talk about it. And I saw a stat this week, by the way. Thank you, Dr. Donald. I saw a, st a stat this week that. The obesity rate in America is 40%. Well, do you know what Christian denomination has higher obesity yeah. rates than the national average of America? It's mm -hmm. the Baptist denomination mm -hmm. in, the, in the South, Alabama, mm -hmm. Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is not right. 
this is not right. And right. so it's because um, churches, pastors, and Christians don't really talk about the sin called gluttony. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I feel, I feel it's, it's, Christianity has become an excuse to, to um, eat what you want and do because it's like, well, you know, I'm not doing drugs or these other things, but, wow. you know, and so uh, <clears throat> we will hide behind that or people will hide behind that. That's, you know, it's just their body. It's okay. So it'd be painful I, if that's true. That's that just reminded me. I, I once worked with this woman who was living on fast food, like two, three days or two, three meals a day. And one of the first things I said is, well, you know, let's replace that with something better. And she said, ooh, you know, I'm really going to have to pray about that. Let me, let me seek the Lord on this one. It's like, yeah. I don't know if we really need to do that. That's just kind of a common sense thing, but it was, that's how she justified it, use it as an excuse. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think you guys hit the nail on the head, and I think we can get into diagnosing why or what to do about it. Those are wonderful, you know, application questions. But I do, where does my question come from? Because it's the same you know, age-old adage about I'm not going to go hire a personal trainer if they look unfit and unwell, right? There's a, there's a certain level of dissonance caused there, and I think we have the same thing for, uh, you know, one another as just Christian friends, but definitely at the leadership level. If, if I came in during that era and I saw my friend preaching from, you know, this church down the street and, and looking so large and, and unwell for his size, for his frame, you know, according to him and where he probably should have been, um, does that not cause a dissonance about our, our, our witness even, just our Christian witness or our Christian example that we have, we're leaning to these other issues, but this one over here, we, you know, we, we save off of the side. Let me go out to the crowd and get over yeah, here to it's like Erica. A, it's like a mixed message, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll hold it for you, Erica, go ahead. I was going to say that you have to be with people in the process. You're always talking about that, and that by putting that judgment or those, you know, rules on people, that's not giving them the space to and margin to process whatever God's working on them about that. They ha may have to get to that place where they need it, or maybe they do need it, but they still got to work out the emotional tie that they have with it. Mm -hmm. And you can't put those, you know, rules and judgments on people because you don't know where they are at, and that's a very, very private thing. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I love what you offer there. And I think that's, see, you actually illustrate exactly my fear, which is that when you talk about a standard that, that ought to or could be or whatever, the, interpret, the way it's received is yeah. um, you haven't gone to them in conversation. You haven't started with questions. You started with accusations. You started with condemnation. You started with why aren't you there, um, which is totally backwards. I agree that the process example would be start with questions, learn someone's story, start from relationship, know what kind of emotional things they have going on. Maybe they are already, so my question, and forgive me, um, I totally apologize if it comes loaded with an assumption that, oh, I see the guy on the stage and he's doing nothing. He hasn't realized anything and he doesn't even care about it. No, I, I, please forgive me and everyone listening. Uh, that's not the angle at all. Um, it's, it's how to start that conversation that you say, you know, in grace and in process um, more than I'm interested in. Um, and what you said at the end there, I think, is really important too, um, which is, you know, are they trying or not? Is just the is is the question. So that's really good. Any, any other questions or comments from you guys? Looking for hands? I think Larry really nailed it when he said people have to have a need. They need to have their own reason. They need to have something, you know, that's causing enough pain in whatever way to drive them to start looking for solutions. And if you're talking about having conversations with people who maybe you recognize a need in them, but they don't recognize it yet, I think questions are always the best right, way. Right. You just, in love and grace, start asking questions and maybe strategic questions, but it kind of leads them to developing their own conclusions that can help them move into a, a better direction. That's good.
it, it's not simple. It's not a simple black and white thing many times. It's very, very integrated, you know, food, health, and how we look, and um, obesity, and it's very, very complicated. There's, there's many psychological components to, to it as well. Um, um, the way we were raised, any, if we were a victim of a crime, um, victim of abuse, mm -hmm. there, there's, it's very, very intertwined. Mind, body, spirit. It's not really, it's not all that simple. So um, um, it does take a lot of God's grace, a lot of God's love and mercy in, in, in the situation, especially for um, struggling with a particular health condition um, like overweight. It's, it's not, it's not an easy one. I appreciate that. Yeah. That should infuse it with grace right there, Larry, yeah. what you said. Yeah. It's good. And it is interesting though, but like if you have a person who's got a, a drug addiction, we feel comfortable talking to them. Mm -hmm. But if it's if it's in this area, no one feels comfortable doing it. Like, well, no, you can't. It's a taboo subject. Right. It's fat right. Yeah, fat shaming. Or, well, and, there, or, and there's obviously even a deep, deep, though there's so much gray and so much complexity. There's, yeah. a, I think, a good and simple uh, demarcation between food addiction, which is kind of what you're alluding to, John, yeah. that I think is a true, real, appropriate thing, and and that kind of. Uh, daily kind of run-of-the-mill just diet and nutrition health need yeah. Yeah. Um, this guy i'm alluding to would have would call a spade a spade and say i, I was addicted to food yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. Um, and that can be in a whole other episode about what pastors do to themselves after a busy sunday um, and it is amazing the swirl of of biological and emotional things yeah. um yeah a guy i listened to a pastor on a podcast recently that talked about his monday breakfast routine after preaching six services and he would have a, a cinnamon french toast um, you know, uh, and he'd have a Sunday. This was for breakfast time. This wow. is just without fail. This is that's what he would do after a big Sunday. And that's, gosh, that's pointing to something deeper that we all maybe should talk about. Can I add something, uh, Pastor Ben? To yeah. That too is um, um, th there's a discipleship issue element. Mm. We we all as a Christian we we want to grow closer to the Lord, and what does that involve? It involves taking personal responsibility for our, our emotional health, our relationships, our marriage, our parenting skills, mm -hmm. um, our career, how we handle money. Mm -hmm. it's, it's taking personal responsibility and, and, and for our health. And, and so one of the big factors is, am I going to, uh, we live in a culture that's, that's very entitlement and, and privileged, and, but am I gonna take personal responsibility over my own health care? Mm -hmm. Or am I going just gonna go to the doc or go to this person or go to that person and just let them figure it out for me? Mm. Or am I gonna say, you know what, I, I'm gonna be responsible, I'm gonna, I'm gonna grow up, be a little mature here, and take some personal responsibility over my physical, emotional, and spiritual health. I, I really appreciate, Larry, that you bring it up as a formation issue, which is another word for uh, discipleship, being formed uh, in Christ. I was just reading again this morning in the Comer book uh, about how uh, it's beautiful, the move, if we can make the move from viewing Jesus as Savior to Jesus as teacher. Does that sound really obvious at first glance? It seems almost even basic, but if it's teacher, it means that we're receiving instruction and formation from this man and modeling our lifestyles after his lifestyle, actually, yeah, right is part of the, what where grace drives us to and where yeah. that responsibility drives us to is that we actually are formed in Christ through that relationship. Um, do you want to add or have a question? Yeah. Um, you and I were talking briefly before we started about this idea of stewardship, too, and the fact that when we look at what God's given us, whether it's a roof over our heads, the body we live in, the money we have, if we look at it that way, everything we have is a gift, it's not our own, 
that idea that our body is a temple and I've got to listen to this more than you know others even too but we're stewards of it it's a yeah. gift and if we can look at it from a place of gratitude too oh, yeah. then I think that touches on something and gives us a purpose for taking care of ourselves that's bigger than ourselves that's sweet really well yeah, articulated thank you that's beautiful with that comment guys I'd love to just um, address one of the questions we had loaded up before coming in and get back to the kind of Bible based idea behind so much of this can, I'd love to hear from each one of you guys, what are some of the biblical references to um, the body or um, even health that you think uh, undergird this whole conversation, right? We, we all agree up here that, that our practice follows our theology. And, and so theology even, is even just knowledge of God at a base level. That's what that word means. And, uh, and that's driven by scripture. So can we go there just generally, some of your favorite you know, passages that, you, that, that God and the Holy Spirit's brought to you that forms a lot of your worldview around health? <coughs> I can say the big one for me is uh, Larry mentioned discipleship, right? So there, there's salvation and then there's sanctification, right? So we meet Jesus and then we work it out, right? And That's your definition of sanctification? Working it out? Working it out okay. and becoming more holy? Yes, right? okay. So given that, a lot of that involves the transformation of the mind. And that's one and the same as the healing process right so I, I really see the process of sanctification and the healing process if not being one and the same dovetailing very very well and a lot of things you know to to grow to improve to transform your mind that involves growth and growth always involves challenge and so much challenge will come through health or things we do to take greater levels of personal responsibility to improve our health and in that process, at least I can say this with myself and working with people over the years, is as you go about that process, all these deeper emotional things, which are like blockages, uh, start to come out. And as a result, the truth that you know can sink from your head down into your heart. Now you really own it. So you actually grow spiritually as you engage in a physical, mental, emotional healing process. So that, that would be for me. That's good. I love that, Steve. John. I mean, last night I, I just looked up the, the verses that have it, and I, I don't have it in front of me right now, but right one is talking about the body is the temple, right? <clears throat> um, there's a few on wine um, and, and, and limiting that, right? So those are other issues on health. But in just general, my, my basic perspective would just be that we are all, you know, we are created in God's image. <clears throat> and... And so in that, right, we are mind, body, and spirit <clears throat> all together. And so you can't, it's not there, you can't separate them. Yeah. So it's hard, it's hard, as I said, right, so much of the anxiety and depression that people deal with comes from the food, the, the food they're eating, right? I mean, just, it's amazing. And so you, you can't separate those two. So I don't, I think, I don't think you can have a, a great spiritual, well, I don't know, it's harder to have an amazing spiritual life if, if you're not literally taking care of your, your, your physical body. That's good. You make me think, John, of um, Shalom, another ancient Hebrew Jewish Christian principle, um, which means way more than peace. Most of you in the room maybe know, but another great kind of part of that, the definition package on that word is uh, completeness or wholeness, or fullness. And I, and I think, guys, that's got to be part of our working theology oh, for yeah. integration. Part of the, the why behind this conversation is integrating mind, body, and soul. i got to believe that shalom is a great partner word for, mm. for yeah. that because 
Uh, we, we can't ever be whole unless we work towards integrating these the, the, the mind, body, and soul components. Larry, I want to hear from you, and I want to double down on, on so I'm loading it up. Um, <laughs> I know personal responsibility, because Steve used it, and I love it. I'm, I'm with you on it. Yep. I know personal responsibility mostly is, a, is a, like a political term, you know, in our, in our spectrum of you know, some, yeah, I like it. I prefer it. I, 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 I've used it myself many times. And I think we can make a great biblical argument for it. Uh, but I'd love to, and, you know, I'm totally putting it on the spot, but can you tip some passages in general, the broad question, but also maybe specifically, how do we find that in Scripture? You know, Paul's probably a great witness, right, to personal oh, the, responsibility. Yeah, yeah. You know, when, when, when you guys asked me to be a part of this, I was like, okay, I've got to dive into this and try to, try to get schooled on the biblical understanding. It's a huge subject. Um, but the main one is the great commandment, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And so it's like, like okay, <laughs> it's right there. We're, we're, we're to be um, uh, loving God with, with everything. That's what the, the whole point there is. Everything about us is to love the Lord. And, and that includes our body. And what was happening in the Greek New Testament mm. was there was a, a conflict between biblical theology and the Greek philosophy. And the Greek philosophy had a philosophical dualism that was going on that was popular in the culture. And so Paul the Apostle would address that philosophical dualism and it was 1 Corinthians 6 passage. And what that meant was that they believed, the Greek uh, philosophy believed that your spirit is separated from your body. Therefore, it doesn't matter what you do in your body because all material things are evil. Right. And all that matters is what you do in your spirit. And so as a result, they extrapolated that conclusion to, to false conclusions. Says, well, I guess it doesn't matter what I do sexually in my body because after all, it's just in my body. Therefore, I can do whatever I want sexually. And they were living sexual and moral lives. And so Paul was writing to correct that. No, <laughs> that's not correct. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are the, are the Lord's. So that's the First Corinthians 6 passage where, where Paul says, no, we're not philosophical dualists. We believe in complete integration of mind, body, and spirit. And in Romans chapter 12, Paul taught the Christians and he said to them, present your bodies mm. as a living sacrifice. Um, which is your reasonable service. And so there's this presenting of my physical body to the Lord. Say, Lord, use my body. And, and so there's a lot of passages like that. A I, lot, lo a lot mm. I love that you They're start awesome. from love. One of my close friends always goes back to the theology of love, the relational theology oh, of yeah. love. That's, in yeah. my opinion, it's like the, the end point of every single theological you know, yeah. the presupposition should be able to be tested and played out in relationships and in love. It really is. Not that this probably sounds so trite, but the answer is always love. No, that's not what I'm saying. It's just God is so relational that way, and we often miss that in the heady kind of conversation around doctrine and, and theology. But Steve, I'm going to quote you on this one. I love that you talk about the greatest commandment. You know, love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. What those the words? I always get it wrong. You really, you don't get it wrong. Uh, your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's beautiful. You almost skip over the fact that certainly implies part of our body. Yeah. And then Steve took the other half of the greatest command, quoting Jesus, and, and love your neighbors yourself. And I love in an episode recently where Steve, you're talking about self-love. Mm -hmm. And man, should that be a driving force for self-care and for health in, in every single way? 
is do we have a, and then we're going to get, we're going to bridge right into the emotional, you know, uh, do we have schisms with what we believe about ourselves or what we say about ourselves or what others have said about us? There are these huge, you know, boundaries or limitations to physical health. There's, so there's a love theology that's really important here too. I'd, I'd love to link all that just really briefly is um, we talk about, you know, self-love, that is personal responsibility. Mm. To me, that's kind of one and the same. And also, with any degree of freedom comes personal responsibility, mm. right? And we are free. We are free in this country. We are free in Christ. So that means there's a responsibility there. Mm -hmm. And one of those ways is with self-love. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's where the political side of it that I think is so important here. <clears throat> Maybe in the same book I read that we've defined freedom in America as unbridled pursuit of desire. That's mm. essentially the long and short of it. It's just yeah. you, you do what you please with the freedom. And you just basically quoted this passage, which is, you know, I'm free. And who's that, whoever's in Christ is free indeed, right? Mm -hmm. like that's where it's yeah. driven by, which means we are yoked with, with him. So we're going the same direction as him. That's the Christian you know, definition of freedom, if you will. Any other questions, guys? From Yeah, Robert. Um, this is something that, that I heard from a sermon from a, a pastor just, just this month. Uh, but he was talking about um, that when someone is presented with a uh, serious medical issue and given the option to change their diets or die, they, they often choose to die than wow. to change their diets. Um, but when the same person has had an organ transplant, they, they're more grateful for the second chance to live, that 90% of them stick to a healthier lifestyle. Um, why do you guys think that it is so hard for people to make those changes before we are presented with a change or die situation? Great question. That's awesome. There is so much <laughs> to that. Go ahead. <laughs> wow. I, I need to well, I, on a simple <laughs> level, I, th I think addiction is really, really powerful. <clears throat> and, and I don't think there's a, a more addictive substance in the universe than sugar. Um, I mean, there, there's been studies of, of people, uh, type 2 diabetes, who they have to go, where all they can do is eat green vegetables for a while, and they've been cured, and, one, and, and that people literally escape. And they're like, yeah, I might be able to live, but I'd rather die than, than have to eat green vegetables all day long. And it's, it's addiction hmm. in some ways. So that's dependency. If we just dependency. expound on that for a second, there's... We talked earlier about uh, chemical dependency or you know one of the other forms of addiction but actually chemical dependency is the common denominator isn't it yeah. that that's that our brain being lit up in certain areas is, is common for, for all of those and I think that's a compelling case that's one so that's one answer any other nuance there guys um, the desire to die um, um, I don't I think that's a psychological um, mm -hmm. and psychiatric issue but um, sometimes there's tragic and trauma events that take mm -hmm. place in our lives uh, when we're younger or have you noticed that when people go through a loss loss of a loved one their child dies or they're a victim of a crime or a divorce that people tend to get much sicker and their their desire to live their hope for life the future is is really like darkened and and it's almost the thought of dying is easier than the thought of living and so, um, so there's there's that component to that, mm -hmm. and and so um, yeah 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 so so um, and some people just they they they're suffering deeply inside personally over something, and and so um, 
it's harder for them to think of getting my life together than it is to die. Die is like the easy way out. And so I think there's some of that going on there. Yeah. I love that you said that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're just, whether we even realize it or not, there's suffering so much or so deeply and the, the burdens of life just kind of yeah. went out and overwhelm us and, and can kill our spirit and put out our little fire to the point where whether we realize it or not, we're just kind of, well, there's my way out, yeah. you know? There's a piece of theological work here that, Robert, that I think applies to this. Was that we were at a conference this summer as a staff, and the gal had this beautiful metaphor of <clears throat> a tree where the branches and the canopy are our actions, and the roots are our core beliefs. It's so clear. Just a great, I've never, like, since that summer, I've been, I keep going back to it every week because of the association of words and how it's so true. And nothing moves, nothing grows, nothing flourishes without those core beliefs. Or, or conversely, everything comes out, everything gives life, fruit, and production comes from those core beliefs. We hold to be so core and so dear to us. We talked about this on the previous episode. We keep alluding to these guys. You can find them on the, the Watermark OC uh, website as well as the, the Apple uh, iTunes podcast um, where Steve talked about mental, just mental um, outlook and self-talk. It's huge. It's huge. But, but this is a little bit of the spiritual lens I want to lean into. Well, Robert, I, I personally have seen a school of doctrine or theological thought within the church that says it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn anyway. Right. And so, um, meaning the earth, uh, the universe, the created order as we know it, including ourselves, that that's part of how God's designed it for the end times or when he comes back. It's, just, it's, all, you know, it's all for ruin anyway. And so, um, now, put a pin in that for a second and go back to Jan's question earlier. Jan, you know, he, he, he's right in saying that Christians understand that their bodies are for sure heading towards decay. For Tim Keller, another great, you know, master theologian and preacher say that, that the one thing that's guaranteed in this life is that, yeah, our bodies are heading to decay. You're not going to stop that. But here's the thing that I would like to reconcile between this one dramatic pull of saying it's all going to burn. My, my response to that, as I understand scripture, is that um, we can experience the kingdom of heaven here and now. So this is one of Jesus' favorite topics. That when he comes, he brings with him the kingdom of heaven. And it's an administration. It's a way of doing and being and thinking. It it's all consuming. When he shows up on the scene, he says it's here and now. When he tells us to pray, he says on earth as it is in heaven. And so my instruction there is, okay, wow. And that was huge because I was trained in the same tradition where it was you're saved to get to heaven. You're saved to get to heaven. So once you're saved, cool, then just, you know, who cares what happens to the rest? Again, it's all going to burn. Mm. And yet, I love what one author said, we're saved to bring heaven to earth. And we do that when we love, when we just talked about, we do what we just talked about a second ago. When we love well, relationally. It doesn't have to be this complex, crazy, I'm moving to Africa as a missionary thing. You can reach across the aisle, and the kingdom advances there. I think that that should certainly give an, a nuance, Robert, that when I talk about my core belief, even as a Christian, what do I believe about what the scripture says about how Jesus will come back? What do I believe about heaven? What do I believe about the status of life here and now uh, being formed in Christ and how that, how that touches every part of my, my being, my mind, body, and my soul? Um, and that comes from a core belief place that impacts everything else, just to bring it full circle. Um, that's, my, that's my thought on why it'd be so hard to move. In addition to the addiction piece, it's very compelling. Yeah. It, it may all be coming to a place of burning but in the meantime we're all still here and everyone here has a mission for their life and your health is the vehicle that allows you to fulfill that as oh, best sure. as possible yeah. so that's how I looked at that one even in spite of that kind of answer yeah it might have been one of the, your Calvary brothers uh, uh, Larry that I heard on the radio 
say that the body, you know, the soul cannot do its work without the body. Yeah. I mean, it sounds almost converse. You're like, oh, wait, well, the soul, it's transcendent, it's intangible. It yeah, but once you tap out, that's it, you yeah. know? And so, and, and, let, and then there's also degrees of the vi vitality within that. We've talked about that, mm -hmm. Steve, as well before. It's like, are we limp limping along? Um, again, not from something that we can't, can control. There are things that are injuries, illness that come to us, and no one can speak to that better than Steve, who had chronic pain for over 10 years. Uh, that he just lived with and, and, and learned from and that God, you know, maybe, dare I say, even used. However, from the things that we maybe can mitigate, that's what we're talking about, mm -hmm. is what kind sure. of life yeah, yeah. does God intend for us to live on this side? Of yeah, you know, um, some of the great theologians of the past, um, one of my favorites is C.S. Lewis, mm -hmm. great apologist, and he died at the age of, I think it was 63 or 64. And then another great preacher from the past, C.H. Spurgeon. These are the old timers, okay? So these are the tried and true guys. Mm -hmm. And um, well, he died when he was 57, I believe. And both these guys were heavy smokers. Mm -hmm. Now, I know there's people that smoke, they live a long time, but I'm thinking, what if those guys were a little bit more careful about their health? You know, C.S. Lewis died in 1963, the same day that John F. Kennedy died. And, if God, if, if he would have maybe been a little more conscientious about his health, another 10 years, and with his voice and his intellect to speak into mm. the world, mm -hmm. the Western world, during the 60s, right, and, wow. and going on into the early 70s, mm. oh my goodness, how God could have used him. That's good. And then C.S. in 57? I mean, that guy, what a preacher. I mean, the gift that this man has to communicate the word of God and to bring change in people's lives. And, and I thought, man, guys, I just would yeah. want to tell them, please, we need you. Mm -hmm. Pastors, leaders, Bible teachers, mm -hmm. theologians, please, we need you. And so take care of yourself because we need you. It's good. Here, here I come. Yeah. I, think, I think that's also why we need grace, too, because you take a guy like that, amazing, or those two guys, yeah. and yet they still struggle with that. Yeah. And they didn't overcome it. Right. And that can show you how deep some of these things can run. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, sir. Yes. Um, yeah, I was contemplating kind of same line with Pastor Larry about um, that this is uh, in spiritual warfare going on. The Bible says devil has come to kill and steal mm -hmm. and destroy. Yeah. And so it, it, we can see he's um, after destroying mankind mm -hmm. and um, part of it using the men's, men's greediness for more gain, financial gain those farmers using GMOs and Roundup and, yeah. and uh, making unhealthy food and not telling people that they are feeding us with unhealthy stuff. It's all just get more money. So, and another side of coin, then, then there's the people who, who today, just live for today, just what mm. feels good. Yeah. That's a main theme. I need to feel good. I don't, don't worry about tomorrow. Um, I just have to do day to do whatever makes me feel good. So that selfishness and not taking care of this, the body that is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, I just want to say that comment. No, I appreciate that nuance. And, and guys, uh, unfortunately, we're going to wind down and have that be our last great um, epic question. Um, but feel free, you guys, please. I love that you brought up the spiritual warfare point. Um, I think that's needed. Um, and then uh, secondarily, again, you go into... It's a worldview. It's a worldview issue about what do I think I deserve and, and how have I, maybe the, 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 the secular, how has secularism of feel-good culture seeped in to our practice as, as believers? So those are two great questions, guys, if you want to weigh in on them.
Or just points that you want to elaborate on. Um, I'll let you guys go first. I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are the pastors. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, no, it's absolutely correct. You know, um, the spiritual warfare dimension. Um, you know, wh why do we suffer? Why is there suffering? There's multiple reasons in the Bible. And then there's this other called the unknown. It's the Job. He had no idea what he went through mm. or why. And God did, we do, because we're behind the scenes and understand. But this guy suffered ooh, with his health. And it was all, it was all um, allowed by God. Um, and it wasn't because he was unrighteous or sinning or, or he, he, he didn't have goofy theology. You know, he was straight up with the Lord. And, and yet he suffered. Um, some of Paul's companions, uh, Trophimus and Epaphroditus, were sick. And, and so Timothy was, um, f had frequent infirmities, but incidentally, you know, Paul the Apostle gave nutritional advice to Timothy by saying, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake. Mm. That was nutritional advice wow. from a Jewish rabbi. So in the Bible times, the doctors and medical professionals were the Levite priests. Mm. They were the ones you were to go to for any medical issues. Mm. And what would they normally do? It was all the food. And so it was the Jewish Levites that were trained on dietary recommendations. Don't eat this. It's okay to eat that. And they interpreted that as a, as a theological code of righteousness, but that's another topic. Um, and um, so, yeah, so the, the spiritual dimension is, is very real. Um, so, yeah. yeah. That's good. Thank you. Another important theological groundwork, Larry, um, that was... Yeah, great reminder. We know that the Dan Daniel fast as a cultural norm comes from that place. It comes from, you know, three righteous Jews who were, right, right. were you know, familiar with Levitical holiness laws and vows. And uh, that include diet, obviously, for them. That was important. Yeah. Um, and then the, the second piece is about worldview, which I think is really just a great proviso for us is yeah. what, what, what lies. Right. That's one of the enemy's greatest ploys, is, especially in this Western world, is distraction and, and hurry and rush. We talked about that a lot today. And um, to be aware of those things, it's very hard. I'd say it's very hard to be aware of those things if we don't have, and this is just the space we're living in right now at Watermark, so forgive me if that's our bias, but if you don't have stillness and silence and stopping, it's very hard to even sense in your own spirit, in your own heart, in your own body, where you've picked up these, these pieces of formation from the world, or what Pete Scazzaro calls the, the world's discipleship. Mm. We've been formed. Oh, Every yeah. single one of us has been formed. Um, by the world's way of thinking, believing, and doing. Wow. And so uh, a lot of those things I've just, from first-hand experience, have not floated to the top until very recently made it double down on my commitment to stop and be still, and slow down, and listen. And it's remarkable, guys. I, I've had a hard time putting into words um, the ways in which these things are floating. This is, uh, Barton calls it um, uh, sediment, you know, that it's just once it settles, then you can name it. But it's once it's all shaken up and stir, it's, a, it's like a blizzard. You have no idea. It settles, and then you can begin the work of kind of naming it and understanding it and bringing it back to God. Um, and I think those are your wonderful points that you had. You want to add something to that? Okay, we'll get this, you'll get the final word. How about that? Not even our panelists, but you'll get it. Well, um, I'm, I'm a nurse by training, and right now I work for hospice, though, but um, um, there were comments earlier that sometimes people need that something really something big happen, and then they make the health choices. But unfortunately, I see so many times it comes so, so late. People uh, have so decades, um, have very unhealthy 
lifestyle and um, um, so it might be well they can still change and and something improvement could happen but most of the time it's too late but of course the main thing is that they would spiritually wake up and be born again at least go to heaven after this life but um, yeah I, I just wish people would wake up a little earlier <laughs> so wonderful. Mm -hmm. and that goes back to Robert's idea earlier of ch you know, change <laughs> change or die and um, we wish that we didn't have to hear those comments on people's deathbed that they wish they would have made different investments different decisions uh, formational things so guys that's this has been a wonderful conversation I just want to say thank you to Larry John Steve for sacrificing your Saturday morning and pouring into us thank you guys for carving out the time to create a community here we hope it's been helpful fruitful use that same link on the website if you have further questions or comments or feedback about the event in general this is watermarkoc.com slash questions and those come directly to my inbox so I'd love to get any feedback about how we can improve for the next time or just lingering questions you have um, we have great questions to pick up next time. You know, what's the impetus for change? How do people change? Boy, is that an age-old question and an important one um, and a theological one as well as, you know, biological. So um, thank you guys again for joining us and feel free to... Do you have any last words here, guys? Cool. Thanks again. And feel free to just chat and mingle. Thanks, you guys. You too. You too. Fun. Fun. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. I have to see. I was just thinking.